We've been sharing with you uh, the last several weeks about what it means to be a citizen of heaven, uh, how to live as a citizen of heaven, how when a person surrenders their life to Christ, uh, a spiritual miracle occurs yes. on the inside. Nothing changes on the outside, but on the inside, a real spiritual miracle has occurred. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of light. And you become a new creation. You become a new creation. It's a spiritual miracle that takes place. You were once held captive. Scripture says mm -hmm. under the prince of the power of the air. You were a citizen, if you will, of darkness. But now by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, you've been brought into God's family. <laughs> and welcomed into his family. Not just brought in like an orphan and you're adopted, but you're a son or daughter. Hallelujah. Raised to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ yes. Jesus. So you have a whole new beginning. When you give your life to Christ, you have a whole new beginning and a whole new destiny that is defined in here, in this book. And it's a sacred and it's a holy calling. Yes. Scripture describes it that way. A holy calling, a sacred calling. And we are meant to walk out this calling, if you will, in close fellowship, committed fellowship, really, with other believers. You cannot do this alone. Followers of Christ are not meant to just wander around in the kingdom, if you will, <laughs> in the world, with no place to call home. Every believer needs a church home. Amen. You need a place to belong. And, and we've been saying this, that the church is not a building. We know that the church is a group of called out people, a body of Christ, and it's made up of members, individual members from every nation, tribe, and tongue all around the world. We just saw this beautiful child from Egypt. And although we are each a member you know, individually inside of the universal body of Christ, God doesn't intend to fulfill his will and his purpose for his church, and even in your own life, by us just remaining scattered and individualized and just going here and there on our own through life all over the place. And I think about the story when Jesus had 5,000 people there. He's preaching, and he had 5,000 people to feed. And he told his disciples, go arrange these people in groups of 50 and 100. I mean, can you imagine trying to distribute food to 5,000 hungry people without some organization? <laughs> I didn't get any food. Give me more of that fish. You know, hey, do you pass enough bread to me? You ate all the bread. You, you know, <laughs> bring some more over here. Well, we already got you. And it would just be so, it would be chaotic. Truth. And organized, everything just going in every direction. And so Jesus instructs his disciples, you know, to have the people gather together in smaller groups for a reason. Because it provided a way, certainly for just organization to occur. And the assurance that everybody would re receive a portion and nobody would be overlooked. Everybody would be seen. You could be seen in a smaller group. Right. Right? And it's really the same way for his church. Right, because when we become believers, Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, it, it declares that we've been all baptized into, into, into Christ. That's the universal body. It says one Lord, one Savior, one faith, one baptism. Yeah. And it's talking about baptized into Christ. That's the whole universal church. 
And uh, yet he gives grace gifts to every single person to help build up the church and to serve one another. And then he directs just like what he did with the disciples, have them set in groups of uh, smaller groups. He does that to a local church. And that's where uh, believers find uh, spiritual food. That's where we find friendships and people of like faith. And it's, it's a, in a smaller group, it actually becomes more inviting to get to know one another than in a larger group. If you're in a group of 5,000, you could disappear in that group completely. You could just come, never know who's there, or never even say anything to anybody because you might feel uh, intimidated. You might just have a, a quieter disposition, and so you just move on out. Uh, but... It, it becomes uh, more effective and more inviting when it's a smaller group of people. You can look at somebody in the eyes and say, well, hey, I haven't met you yet, and it's important for us to do that. And it's important for us to all gather together around biblical values. It's important for us to have uh, uh, share our faith, to build one another up, and where we're coming to learn how to obey God's word. We're, gonna, we're learning to understand what Jesus actually said uh, it's where we can encourage one another to stay on the narrow way and walk all the way through your life with joy completing your mission to, and that mission is to reach the world for Christ and yet you know we don't go everywhere in the world but you have a neighborhood you have somebody who lives next to you you go to school you are that's your world that is your world to be an evangelist in it's to share your common faith and we can't uh, lose focus and let's face it here you can be pretty focused in in the Middle East right now but here we have millions of options millions how many football games were yesterday could have watched them you know uh, look on your computer you could go everywhere do anything you could be distracted from really what the goal is see the, the church is central the world is peripheral we have to keep that focus we have to understand it and how we understand it how what keeps us in line is when we're together gathered together sharing our faith learning each other being able to trust one another and declare, you know what, i got a problem with this. I haven't been able to get an answer to prayer with this, or could you help me pray? Or, hey, did you see this in Scripture? Here's an answer to your question right here. We, one another builds up. You're gifted to build up this church. And let's take a look. at To keep us on track in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it's important for us to stay focused, amen? We got to keep the main thing the main thing. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The local church is actually meant to challenge you, to motivate you to live for God, to get up out of your seats and be involved with church life, to tell you the truth. 
to serve, to express your love to one another, to find acts of love, do good works. It's, it's, another thing is to financially support the church. God has intentionally gifted people as apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. When I was growing up, everything was, the pastor does it all. That was bad teaching, amen? Because you're the body of Christ. We're to teach you to go out to your world and express the love of Christ. Every member of the body has been gifted. You have been gifted by God. Ephesians says you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. And so there is also a gifting that is prevalent and I'd say comes to the forefront in your life that God is wanting you to express and to live it out. It's important that we discover those gifts. And one of the things is is that... (laughs) We can discover it here. This is part of belonging. We are meant to belong and we are meant to discover. You know, you say, what would my gift be? Well, often it's just what you find naturally that you like. Mm -hmm. Some people like to organize. They have administrative gifts. Some people like to teach. You know, some people like just helping. Like, I just want to get in there and get my hands involved and help. And uh, So, some people like to sing. And some people, we have all different kinds of gifts. And this is why... God describes the church as, well, we are the body of Christ. It's just like all your different parts of your body do different things. Yeah. But without your leg, you know, you're, you're, you're hindered. <laughs> without a foot, you're hindered. And so we need a place to put all the parts together. This is the way God has organized right. it. Rather than just a bunch of scattered believers all over the world, he's organized it and put, like you said, he put leaders in. Why else would God name an elder or a deacon or a pastor if these weren't roles that we were supposed mm-hmm. to have. And so we need a place to belong. And it says in verse 25 there, it says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as we see the day of his return drawing near. Now, this couldn't be more relevant than ever. Yeah, come on. We do see the day of his return drawing near. We see prophecy. Wars, rumors of wars. I mean, we have Israel, the Middle East war is just the primary beginning. We have a lot of birth pains that are happening. Pestilences that have come. COVID. And Jesus warned us. He said, as you see these birth pains coming before the end, you know, to get yourself ready. Don't be distracted. Now is not the time to just let ourselves go, well, you know, that's too bad for them. And I'm just going to keep doing what I do. It's a wake-up call for us, really. Come on. It's now's not the time to be casual about our relationship with the Lord. We need to be right. learning to pray. In faith, we need to be learning what God's Word says. We need to be strengthening the bonds we have with fellow believers. Because like, we live here, we sit here this morning, it's like I was praying this morning in a peaceful setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I think we can thank God that rocket bombs, we're not getting warned, a bomb is overhead. Go get into your, your shelter, your, your, your bomb shelter in right. your house. <laughs> and thank God for that. We need to be thankful for that. 
And we need to live every day thankful for that. Yes. Not quit complaining and be like, thank God. Think of those people. On last Friday night, did they ever expect that they, when they would wake up Saturday morning, their whole life forever would be changed? I mean, and it can become so easy for us to just get complacent in this peacefulness mm -hmm. about the things of God. Well, I'm, I'm kind of busy. I can't make it. I can't make it to church. I can't make the prayer. I'll get there. I'll get there. Do you know how many times you've probably told yourself, I'll get there, and you haven't gotten there yet? <laughs> There's always tomorrow. Maybe not. But I think about those people. What if the, I'm sure that's what they were all saying. Many of them, I'm, now when you hear reports of people that have lived in Israel that are Messianic Jews, you know, would say that a lot of these people never expected this to happen. You know, they understood they had tunnels built and they understood they had bomb shelters in their own homes right but they never expected the Hamas to do what they did to come like they did and I think were they prepared to meet God yeah were they prepared to meet God sadly I think the most of them weren't they weren't and so we need to be people that are focused on the right priorities. Yes. Scripture says, you know, we, what is your life? It's but a vapor. You're here for a little moment like a mist, and then it just, you know, it's gone. Those people didn't know that it was their last day on earth. They didn't. They had no clue. But, you know, as pastors, we want you to be ready to face Jesus Christ face to face. Yeah. And it, it's times like this. We're here peaceful like pastor baby says you're in a soft chair with no air raid sirens saying take up arms men go fight leave everything and go fight we're not we're not in that but this is the time where you have to build your faith it's hard to build your faith in a in a storm you know it's hard to build your faith if you were in their situation right now right right uh, right now is our opportunity to get into the word. Now is the time for us to build friendships with one another. Because you know what? This church will be more important than you think. If all of a sudden that started happening here. What are you doing? What do you have? I, my house is destroyed. You know I need something. I need this. I need that. I have this. Who does need? This is really important. This is time to build friendships. This is time, and you know, that, listen, that takes time. But if you're here and you walk out, you, you really don't know anybody. Hey, I, I think you go to my church. I'm not sure. But this is the time to build unity. Amen? And I, I have to bring up Ephesians 5. <laughs> if you come to prayer... <laughs> Ephesians 5.15, it does, it does seem as though the Holy Spirit brings this scripture back over and over and over again. And we have to take heed to what he's saying. It's not on the uh, No, it's not on the, outline, not on the PowerPoint, but look at it in your Bible. Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Well, it can go on, but 15 to 17 says, look carefully mm -hmm. then how you walk. 
Live purposefully, I'm reading from the Amplified, and worthily and accurately, not as an unwise, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Yes. Making the very most, verse 16, of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, verse 17, don't be vague, thoughtless, and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. You know, it's so easy for us to just get vague and thoughtless and I'll like, I'll put it, this off till yep. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you going to go to church tomorrow? I'll, I'll see how I feel. Are you going to go to that meeting? Are you going to go to prayer? Well, we'll see how it is on. I'll tell you, the devil will just keep that moving further and further and further away from you because you're living, a you're living in a vague way. We have to be decisive and go, I have some priorities yeah. and I'm going to do them. That's how we move forward with the Lord. And really, the day and time we live in, is the, that's the discipline we must grasp, really. Because our... this, everything we see here will be removed. Everything will be removed. And you'll stand before Jesus Christ. And he, you're going to have to give an account of your life. And what we want you to do is to be prepared for that. We don't want you to be ashamed in front of him. We, you know, look at, this is important. Matthew 25, that's the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, do you understand that? And that represents the church. There were five wise and five foolish. The five foolish was just like, well, we'll make it there. You know, I said a prayer earlier. We'll make it there. But the wise, they spent time understanding the word. They, they spent time because this is living. When you, <laughs> that's my favorite part of the Bible right there. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part. <laughs> but yet this, this is Jesus speaking to you. And you have to understand that this word, Jesus says, my words are spirit and they're truth. He is the word of God. And when you set your heart to know him like the five wise virgins, you're going to become filled with his spirit and you will have extra oil. The foolish virgins didn't spend the time that was necessary to have the extra oil. They got distracted. And again, this... Our, our country is filled with distractions. So we want to be ready. We do want to be ready to meet him, right? And it takes time to get to know somebody. This is really what this is about. When we say read the Bible, yeah. you're developing a relationship and trust in Christ. And it takes time. Just think about it in the natural. You don't get to know somebody closely and intimately just by sitting, oh, hi, how are you, and no, conver no further conversation. You know, going we, back to this story, the bridegroom came. And the foolish virgins weren't ready to meet him. And the Bible declares the door was shut. We want you to be ready to meet him. This is our whole life. The, the people that are brought before us, we want you to be ready. You know, there's a danger in America. And it's not bombs falling. It's a false gospel being preached. And it's more prevalent than you think it is. 
it's really important for us to understand this. Jesus is serious about his word. He, he's not just like, oh, I didn't really mean it. You cannot live an LGBT lifestyle and think you're going to heaven. You cannot be sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend and think you're going to heaven. You cannot be in consistent sin and think you're going to heaven. I, well, I said a prayer. Well, then you don't know this book. Turn to Gen Galatians chapter 5. You know, when we say we want to be ready to meet Jesus, what makes you ready to meet him? As we get to Galatians 5, what makes us ready to meet him? I would say, a in a sentence, question. living a life that you're not embarrassed of when you stand before him. Because like Pastor Steve was saying, the false gospel that I think many people mm -hmm. have been hearing and think that they understand the gospel has led a lot of people to claim to be a Christian into complacency and even worse, just a numbness to sin. Like, what is sin? A deception. <laughs> Galatians 5.19 says this, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. And by the way, dissensions and factions we just saw with the recent terror attack. By Hamas. That's a dissension. It produces this murderous hatred between people groups. Right. That's a dissension. Envy goes on to say envy and drunkenness and orgies and anything similar. I'm writing, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before. Let's read that together. That those, those who, who practice, practice such things, things will, not, will inherit not inherit the kingdom, the kingdom of, God. of God. So the Bible makes this stuff clear. Your lifestyle and behavior is saying something to the world, to God. And the gospel is not the a gospel of, of accommodation, if you will. That's I just good. add a little bit of Jesus to my life. Hey, it feels good. I decide how much I accommodate his word, how much I accommodate to what I want to change and obey, how much I'm going to make room for him in my life. Take a little Jesus. Just enough often to feel a little better about myself. <laughs> this is happening. But the gospel is a message of self-denial. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we talk about this, taking up our cross and following him daily. It's a, it's a gospel that's teaching me to say no to sin in my flesh and yes to obedience. And what does that take? It takes some humility, doesn't it? It takes some meekness in our life. And here's the thing. We, we say this plainly. And I believe many preachers around the world in pulpits are beginning to say this plainer and plainer. Yeah. Because I think we're seeing that we, the church is not producing disciples and the church needs disciples, but the, the church can't be afraid to speak out about sin and warn people because the gospel really in the end is offensive. Right. <laughs> when you have ears to hear, anybody who's really given their life to Christ, it cuts to the heart, doesn't it? Yes. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces 
to the spirit, soul, and body. So it's going to cut before it heals, if you will. If you, it'll offend your pride. Yes. It'll point out your sin. And when it does, it's actually doing its work. This is what we have to start to understand. It's like, oh, this is what it means to be a follower. It'll point out, which means it points out your need for a savior. Yes. And it's like, what must I do to be saved? Jesus is called in scripture a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Think about it. So as pastors, right. we, we love you enough to tell you the truth. We've said this over the years. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Any of us who've experienced it ourselves and even as pastors, it's a beautiful thing to see people respond to the gospel. Amen. With humility and meekness and repentance and how God begins to heal and restore their life and their relationships and their family. And because the gospel says that godly sorrow over sin in our life actually works life. Yes. You know, you can have worldly sorrow, feel bad about it. Oh, God, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you just keep running back to it. Mm -hmm. There's a power in the power of grace to, he to help you to turn from it. Amen. But you have to make a decision to do that. God won't do that for you. I mean, we all come to Jesus as we are. We all come broken down yes. by sin. We don't wait to get cleaned up and then come to the Lord. We come broken down by sin. But he doesn't leave us there. Hallelujah. This is part of the scripture. It's like he loves us too much to say, well, now I've made you in a new creation. You're my son or daughter. We're going on a whole different path in our life. Amen? Yes. And so the blood of Jesus has the power. The power is in the blood to deliver us and free us from any sin in our life. Any sin. And he puts us on a beautiful course of a holy call with him. Set apart. We are set apart people. We should be gloriously, you know, joyful over that. Yeah. Feel the privilege of it. And so we aren't here, you know, as a church, we're not adding a little bit of Jesus to our life. No. <laughs> he is your life. He is our life. He is our life. Salvation is a call to, of course, to deny ourselves and a willingness to give up your life to find true life. That's right. So I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower. Amen? <laughs> we, don't want to be, we don't want just fans. Yay, Jesus! Because following means, oh, I got some things I got to deal with in my life and change. And the cross is yes. like what, what Pastor Ben was saying in announcements about sacrifice. You will feel the sacrifice in your life. But we're meant to feel it. I think this is what, uh, how That's as Americans right. we sort of sacrifice and hardship. And we're, we, we're pretty pleasure-seeking people, aren't we? <laughs> then the, that false and, gospel is happiness is what God wants to bring you. Yeah. You can't find that in the Bible, folks. Happiness is not joy. Happiness is fleeting. Joy can be permanent. You know, we, we want you guys to meet Jesus and be yeah. ready for him. That's what a pastor's job is for. Go to Colossians. Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1.28. So important. You know, everybody has a life before Christ. Everybody. And it's miraculous what happens when you give your life to Christ Jesus. It is remarkable. 
You know the viciousness that you hear about in the Middle East? If you let your flesh go, that's you, that's me. Yeah. We would do the same thing. Yeah. Un, yeah, unrestrained sin will take you. We don't understand it. We're no. seeing the darkness. You're seeing a, a taste of the darkness. A of taste. Unrestrained sin working in the heart of a person. Yeah. Scripture declares that it's going to get a lot worse because yeah. men and women will wax worse. Yeah. This is why you have to be prepared to what's coming. You cannot be distracted. You can't go to the right. You can't go to the left. You just got to stay on the narrow road. And that's what a local church is here to help you to do. Stay on the local, stay on the narrow road. And you know what that word means? If you stay on that narrow road, that word narrow road means under pressure. Anybody feel pressure in this world? Yeah. But if you're solidly locked in in Christ, you're going to be able to let your light shine through that. And you'll be able to walk right down the center of that narrow road. It says in verse 28, So we continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn and to teach everyone in order to bring each one into the presence, into God's presence, what? As a mature person in Christ. You know, we, we, we believe that what we teach here, you're putting into practice in your life. That you, you just don't come and just hear it. That's not the goal. It's to put these things that you're learning into practice in your daily life. And sometimes I think we do think that because we hear something, now we know it. But it's not really until you become a doer of it. Scripture yes. says that's really where the blessing is. But we, <laughs> is. We've all done that. It's like, oh, I got that now. But it's like then the, then the Lord opens up a way for us to put it into practice in our life. And that's and, what we want. And that's what we, we want. We want to be yeah. doers of the word. The doers of the word are the ones who are blessed, not the hearers. Yeah. Amen? Right. And, and America has is, is been good at hearing but not doing. Jesus wants us to understand the primary mission that our life has been given. Your life, my life, everybody who calls on the name of Christ, this is your mission. And it's found in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is our primary directive, directive to go and make disciples. Not a convert, go and make a disciple. Not a fan, but a follower. <laughs> Our desire for this church, what we want to do is make a disciple who will go and make a disciple. Yeah. And, and moms and dads, guess what? Your first disciple-making appointment is your children. It's actually commanded. If you want to read the Bible, you go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. is where he's, he is he's telling husbands and wives, your first and foremost job to make a disciple is your children. We want to make disciples. And we're going to explain what, is, what actually is a disciple. 
you know, it's a, a disciple's not just a fan, but a follower, amen? <laughs> it's, it's our mission statement. We want to help people, teenagers, children, adults. We want them to know God. Well, we don't want them to know about God. We want them to know God. We want them to find purpose. And when you do this, you're going to experience eternal life. Because Jesus said to know God is eternal life. We're not going to die and then go to eternal life. You're in eternal life right now. And you can partake of that eternal life right now as you spend time to get to know Jesus. Like the five wise virgins. Because he's already given you and given you, you're spiritually equipped to do this. You are. And so we have to put first things first. Prioritize your relationship with Christ. And not be distracted by the things of this world. Because we have a warning about that, about the third soil. It looks like it's growing. It looks like it's growing. It looks like it's growing. But then all of a sudden the cares of the world turn it and they produce no fruit. We want you to produce fruit. We want you to produce good fruit. A disciple making a disciple. Moms and dads, your first work is with your kids. So, are we teaching our children? I guess that's probably we go well. Then are we, are we setting the right example in these things, and we need to be asking ourselves this. I mean, this might seem like a, me- a, hard, a hard message, but I think a call to deny yourself and take up your cross is a hard message. And a lot of times, you know, when, I look, when we look at the overall, the last 30 years of the church, and I look at the day and time that we live in, and I think the church has catered a lot to uh, the culture. People would come into the church and go, well, we want to make it so you're comfortable. This is what we were taught even as yeah. pastors. Make it all so that everybody feels comfortable in the church. And this is, what, this is why we have a lukewarm spirit in, in the church, really. And a lot of consumer thinking. Like, well, what's in it for me? Because we often come to Christ thinking, well, I'm, I'm giving my life to Christ, you know, because he, has a, he, he does have a great plan for our life. But we want to invite him in to see what he'll do for us. Right. <laughs> and we don't realize he's saying, oh, wait, before that, how this all happens is you, you die to yourself. And I do believe that the Lord is opening up pulpits to begin this kind of a message to be heard yes. more and more and more. As we see the trouble in the world, we, we realize we need to get serious. And, and the power of God in the midst of the darkness is meant to shine brighter. God desires his church to be a light. And so for that reason, right. the church really needs re- some revival. We need to be awakened again. Is partly why we did last week with renouncing the past mm-hmm. and going forward. Sometimes we have to be continually draw the line in the sand. I'm not going back there. My hand is to the plow. I'm not looking back. And God needs that. 
We might think it's not necessary, but it is necessary yes. because there's something that you break in the spirit realm. When you confessed for salvation, something from the spirit realm came into this realm. So your words and your declarations in faith carry power. Amen. And so we need to be able to say to ourselves even, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with that old life. Like, I renounce it. I'm going with you, Lord. And I'm not looking back. And I'm going, even if I have trouble, we don't come knowing how to do these things. When I say, are you helping your children? Say, learn to pray, to be a disciple. You might say, I don't know how to pray myself. I didn't know how to pray mm. either. I, I didn't. I went to church, to a, to a Catholic church, and you read prayers from a prayer book, but it wasn't really something that was coming from my own heart. How do you learn to pray? Well, I'll tell you what. We just put ourselves in prayer meetings. You have to take yourself into those environments, and then you, the Holy Spirit starts to show you. You listen to other people pray. Right. And then you, you, you have to break the barrier and open your mouth yourself. And I think this is partly where the, Lord, the, the devil has had people just keep their mouth shut. Don't say anything. Just sit there silent prayers. How many of you were taught to pray a silent prayer? <laughs> yeah. Well, we need, uh, the church needs boldness. <laughs> the church needs to have her light shine brighter. Think about who we are in Christ. Think about what you've been given. You're a child of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. He has a plan and purpose for us to live out in this day. Yes. But we have to commit ourselves in obedience to that plan and just to begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and in all the little things everyday life. You know, I think about there's some teenagers sitting over here. Well, when you're in school, in high school, among your friends, you have to just be aware. Is the Holy Spirit wanting me to say something to somebody here? This is how it starts. It's yes. little. It's subtle. And you could override it and go, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, we and saw then the this, whisper comes again. We saw this girl. She's from Egypt. Yeah. It's a Muslim country. She's bold enough to step out and start teaching her neighborhood about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it takes one person. Just one person can affect two others, and then those two can affect two others, and this multiply, compounding effect occurs. But we have to be willing to open our mouth yes. and declare the truth and share the truth. There are people in your realm of influence that, you know, we'll never meet, but you have influence in their life. So we can't wait and go, well, I'm just, I'm going to be a disciple and it's only going to happen in the church. It's going to happen yeah, when you step the outside the walls of this church. You, you take what you learn here and you, and you, as you're reading at home and then the world is our training ground, the people around us. Amen. And it just takes one to spark, to share a spark and bring another. Well, just come to church and just see. Just come and join me for this youth group. Just see. Yeah. Just see. The Lord needs us to be disciples, and certainly he needs our hearts to be passionate and on fire. And what, again, it, what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A, a, a learner. A disciple is a pupil. 
a follower. It's not somebody who just said a prayer one time. But it's somebody who has made, a, a, they've repented and they've come to faith. And, and they seek to obey the teachings of Christ. They, they, they look and find out what he said and they adopt it as their own. You don't want to just be a fan, you want to be a follower. Yeah, and I think that's where, as we, we take communion this morning, um, it's a good time for us as followers of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ. And I believe probably most of the people in here are followers of Christ. To ask yourself, have I been just a fan? In other words, you know, I rah, rah, yeah, Jesus, and I have a little bit of him in my life, or have I made a commitment? I, I want to go the whole way. Right. I want all of you, Lord. I don't even know what that means, but I want all of you. That's what it takes. And as we take communion, I, we would like to just have that in our forefront of our mind because we're going to remember what he did for us, how he died on the cross, shed his blood, for the sake of inviting us into his family, into eternal life, into his plan and purpose. It's the most beautiful, privileged thing, a person, a treasure that we could have in this life. Yes. And so I guess we'll conclude by being sure that you're saved this morning. Because sometimes you could come to church for years, sit in a church for years, hear a message, but not really understand what the gospel is about. And so let's do that maybe quickly, and then we'll, yeah. we'll begin to, we'll have you come forward. And I mean, the key is, is, have you humbled yourself before God, and you've repented of your sin? And that repentance means you turn away. It's like a doing a 180. Again, like what Pastor Mamie said, you could, you could come to church all your life and not be saved. Yeah. I mean, just coming and sitting in a church for years and years and years doesn't make you a Christian. Like if I just go sit in the, my garage for a long, 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 long time, I don't turn into a car. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do something. <laughs> have you really surrendered your life to Christ? Do you understand what he's asking, the cost that it takes? And don't be afraid of the cost. Because truly the cost of eternal death, <laughs> you're going to pay you a wage far worse and forever, it's forever. These things that we talk about have eternal consequences. It's not just for today. It's for eternity. Jesus said so, his disciples are those people who, who deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Those are words that Jesus spoke. If you want to be my disciple, he says, in a sense, he's telling you, give up your plan for your life follow my plan for your life. Surrender to him. Is there anybody in here today who feels like, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I've really surrendered. And I don't know that I really am even a, a follower. Because if you are, you should confess that before the Lord and make it right. Yes. Anybody, before we take communion. If you, if you wonder, am I born again? Communion is for people who are believers because we're celebrating what the body and blood of Christ has done for us. Are we going to, I guess we, we're going to have two, 
two tables. All right, you want to just come forward, everybody, and take a, take a piece of the bread, a little cup of the juice, and when everybody's been served, Yeah, we'll, we'll come partake. down the center aisle and yeah, walk back the, the outer floor. aisles. And then when you get back to your seat, uh, we'll partake it all together. Supper. He took bread, he divided it among his disciples, and he, he symbolically he said, You know, when we break this bread, this is my body, it'll be broken for you. All paying the penalty for our sins so that the door to eternal life could open up. And so when we break this bread, we remember what you did for us, Jesus. We honor you as Lord and Savior of our life. Put our full trust in you. Help us, Lord, to obey your word and bring you glory and live for you forever. Let's just break and eat. Then he took the cup. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. For the forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. And it's not just the forgiveness of sins so you can keep on sinning. This is for forgiveness of sins and turning away and walking in the truth, walking in life. Go ahead and partake of that.
as we hear your word. Help us to be followers of you. We don't want to be fans. We want to be followers of you. Help us to share your light and your love to the people around us this week. Help us to become the disciples you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.